Are we ready for the word of God? As we look forward to uh, what Jesus wants to do in our hearts, we, we, we need to understand how, how much this body, this church, actually matters to him. You know, it's through the church that God's doing stuff. So, Father, we just thank you that World Harvest Bible Church is on your heart to see your plans and purposes fulfilled. And as a church, we want to lay ourselves before you. We want to open our hearts to you today, Father. We want to say yes to your plans, yes to your promises, but also yes to your commands. And Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts to you that you would take the word and write it on our hearts, inscribe it in our hearts, reprogram our minds, help us to walk this stuff out by your power and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us as we go. And we honor you today. We give you our lives afresh. We take authority over everything that set itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And we say, thank you, Jesus, for your love. Amen. So, uh, you know, we, we, as we started this series last week, um, you know, we just got these couple of weeks before encounter and really wanted to uh, make sure we were fully ready for it. And uh, in this series last week, remember, we, we brought out some things on worship and uh, just kind of remind you, worship is lifestyle. Romans 1, it talks about presenting our bodies, and, and it, it's more about the whole of our life, the, the, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, the, the intellectual stuff. It's everything that we're doing, everything that we are, everything that's going on in our lives, being focused, directed on him, bringing him glory. Bringing Jesus honor in the world around us, in our homes, and everywhere we are. Yeah? But then we also saw that actually it was our words, that it wasn't enough just to live the life. And it wasn't enough just to uh, demonstrate this relationship with Christ. We actually have to speak. We have, one, we have to proclaim the gospel. But two, we actually declare his goodness. And as we do declare his goodness, as we're proclaiming everything that he's spoken about, we start to see some transformation stuff happen. We make music in our hearts. In Ephesians uh, 5, there was the uh, scripture there. It says, uh, make music, sing to one another, make music in your hearts. So there's something creative spilling out from us over people around us that produces change in their hearts, even as it's producing change in our hearts. But then we also saw the other aspect of worship is actually the, the reality of his presence. We can do so much, and yet God is kind of somewhere there elsewhere. We're kind of doing it to God up there. We're doing it. We're living out life, and it's like, is God really here? And the reality is, worship enables us to actually know his presence. He is the God who is present. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And what worship does, it unlocks our own heart to actually see his presence, to allow his manifest presence to be right where we are. We can go around the world doing all kinds of stuff, and God's with us, but we don't really ever see that or sense that. 
And worship is us actually seeing the reality of the Christ who is with us becoming the Christ who is in front of us. It's not just singing a few songs, but it's actively seeking his presence from the throne room. That's what Revelation uh, 1 uh, verse 10, it's, uh, John says, I was on the Lord's day and I was in the spirit and Jesus turned up big time. It went from him singing and worshiping and giving glory to God to prostrate before God because his very manifest presence was there and it brought change it brought a new word it brought something he was able to speak into the churches around the nations that he was involved in it brought a change in his own heart he went from worship to the whole presence worship he didn't he was already worshiping but something more happened And I really want to just look and develop that a lot more because God wants us to understand the reality of who we are as worshippers. It says in, in John 4, this is our key scripture that we're really working with over these three weeks, that God desires, God seeks, the Father seeks true worshippers. Worshippers who will worship in spirit and truth. God's actively looking for this. He's not just actively looking for people to obey him. He's actually looking for people who are worshippers by the way they live and the things they do with him. I live with Claire. But she actually wants to know that I genuinely love her. That I am focused on her that I spend time intimately with her as a husband. And that's what it says in in, uh, Ephesians 5. It links husband and wife. It's like Christ and the church. There has to be this intimacy of presence, not just in the same room, but actually connection, spending that time. And so as as we're seeing this, uh, we see that worship has a major part in keeping our hearts pure, full of light, and it prevents deception. So let's just, just thank him right now. Just thank him that as you worship, light is just happening, just in your heart, just right now. Father, thank you that when I worship you, light comes into my heart. Deception is far from me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just as you just thank Him, there's something you know. You something happens in your heart when you give thanks. So let's just turn to Romans one. Maybe seem a strange scripture for uh, a worship series, but uh, Romans one. I just want to read some scriptures. Usually, we we uh, people I've heard of use this speaking about other people and how ungodly and all the rest of it is the world is, but. Uh, I just want to just draw out something. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says the wrath of God, the anger of God, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God made it plain to them. 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they neither knew God, so although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. And because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. This this is a warning to the world and a warning to us in the church. When God says his first command is that you shall worship the Lord your God and have no other gods before him, he's he's talking about a, a reason for that. Worship of the Lord brings us into a place where understanding truth is normal. Truth and light are there. And when you're outside his presence, there's an absence of truth and there's an absence of light. When we hear scriptures like, he who hates his brother uh, cannot love, love the Lord... A lot of us don't understand that if you do not actively love, then you hate. Just as darkness is not something that's actual, but it is an absence of light, so hatred is an absence or a void or a a vacuum of love. If you do not actively love, you hate. Love's always active. Light is always present and doing something. The absence of light is darkness. The absence of love is hatred. And so what we see is the absence of worship brings or allows or gives room for dark areas in our life. Worship brings us into the light of his presence. And is what, what, uh, what was there in the Old Testament is the, the high priest, they would put these fancy robes on him as part of it was a clothing of uh, kingly robes or costly robes. So if you imagine an old tramp being brought in off the streets, cleaned up, washed, and given not just some nice clothes, but a really sharp suit that makes him look slim, that makes him look amazing, a watch being put on, and rings, and his hair just done so, it's cut. You can imagine the transformation that would bring. The dirty tramp walks into a restaurant, he's going to get thrown out on his ear, isn't he? That same man... Dressed differently, 
He's able to walk with confidence into a restaurant or somewhere where people would never normally allow him just because he looks different. God has clothed us with Christ to stop us looking like dirty old tramps that no one would want and we don't want ourselves to give us the understanding of the glory of God that has been put upon us so that we can then stand before him and the robes that they put on the priest, every one of them had a stone with names on the stones. Those stones were the names of the family that he was a part of. His own family, his brother's family, his brother's brothers. You know, the, 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 the whole of the family of Israel was inscribed on stones. And when the high priest stood before God, he carried people. And amazing things would happen. It said that the Ark of the Covenant, it said that light would come out of it and shine. And these stones that were all different colors, there would just be this glorious light show as God kind of displayed his glory and brilliance. And when they carried the Ark of the Covenant, those same light things went out. And that's why the Indiana Jones and all those kind of dark films, they show these things, that light going out, wiping out enemies. We don't really know how exactly that happened, but that's why we see the, uh, these pictures. But the high priest could only do that once a year. And we have this privilege every moment of every day. We stand and worship, and there's this amazing, we live in light as he is in the light, in 1 John says. He says we have fellowship with one another. God fellowshipping with me because I'm worshipping him. Glory! You're just shining. And that's what it says in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. It says that with unveiled face, I'm not hiding. I'm going, oh my God, what are you going to do to me next? You see, the high priest was in fear and trembling. If he hadn't got everything right, he's going to die in God's presence. And we, with confidence, because of the blood of Jesus upon our lives, can stand, lift our hands, and know God's right here. And I don't have to dress special because I'm clothed with Christ. It's not outward garments that get me looking good. It's the beauty of Christ in me, around me. I'm in him, he's in me, that allows me to stand in the most high place where there's light and glory, and that changes me. If your eye is full of light, Jesus said your whole body is full of light. Worship allows us to see the King of glory, the Lord of light, the Lord Almighty, the the one who is forever unchanging, all-sufficient, limitless, powerful. And suddenly... We realize we're in him, therefore, 
limitations fall off of us. Not because we can do everything, but Christ in us is able to do extraordinary above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. I know the height, the, de- the height, the depth, the breadth of his love. You can't know that from afar. You can only know that intimate. As we stand, it's what John 1 John says, if we are in the light, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's about honesty. It's about openness. It's actually about being real, but it's also about presence. You see, you can't have relationship with someone who's a long way away. Facebook, it covers bits of it. Skype, yeah, it's useful. It covers the fact that they're not there. You can communicate a bit. You can see a bit of the reactions, but usually it jams on you constantly, doesn't it? It's not the same as when the person's right there. You can see, not just whether they're smiling, but you can see the light in their eyes. You can see the, you catch more of the tones of their voice, of how they're sad or how they're excited about stuff. You, you get a bit of that over a phone or over Skype or something like that. But when you're there with the person, they, they can't sit still. And you can't see that bit on Skype because you see this bit in Skype, don't you? Or if you can see the whole body, you can't see any detail because it's too small. But when the person's right there, you can see everything that's going on, how excited they are about speaking to you. Heavenly Father, full of light, says with unveiled faces, we get to see him. We're not trying to peer around, kind of, is he doing stuff? Do I... Am I really getting the right stuff? But with unveiled faces, 2 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 18, it says we reflect his glory. Light becomes a part of us, and actually, we then can reflect it back. What a privilege. We're not just servants. God likes to share his glory with those who are part of him. We're so frightened of that one verse in Scripture, God won't share his glory with another. But we miss the reality that in Christ, we're not another. We are part of him. And he glorifies us with the same glory that he glorified Jesus. That's what Jesus said in in John 17. I've given them the glory. I've given them the glory. The light of God shines Worship enables that glory to be intensified, to be magnified, so that we are seeing the reality of it. In the, in the temple, the, the, the holy place, there was the candlesticks. God wanted there to be permanent light because revelation happens where there's light. And you see, in the place of worship is where scriptures that you've been puzzling over become clear and obvious. You see, from the place of presence and hearing voice of the Lord, he's able to unlock secrets, things you've just not seen before. They're not really secret. They're plain and obvious. It's just that your heart's not got hold of it. 
It's in a shadow and you don't really, can't really, you can't quite see what it really looks like. And all we do is the, the light intensifies and it's really obvious. How did I never see that before? Oh, wow. God's word's obvious. Worship is the key to getting revelation from God. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth find the truth getting unlocked or made known to them in new ways. It's, 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 uh, you see, the light, God set up the temple so that it didn't just have a candlestick. He made all the surfaces. Every bit of the table was gold-covered. And this, every, it's like, you know, you sort of see mirrors. If we put mirrors in this place, these current lights, you wouldn't be able to cope with it. In fact, we, we, we've been looking to get the, uh, the lights in the sanctuary changed. Uh, it's going to cost about £20,000, something crazy. If all of our floor and walls were white, we would need 30 50-watt bulbs to make this place look really bright. Because our walls are black, we need 130 50-watt bulbs. God made all the surfaces in the temple gold, reflecting the light of God all over the place. The brightness. He dwells, he doesn't dwell in darkness, he dwells in light. It's so glorious, people can't look in the face. You try looking at the sun, and that's a light that when it says in in Revelation, it says, when when the new heavens and the new earth, God will be there in the temple, in in the heaven on the earth, and it says there won't be a sun because God will be our light. He so outshines the sun as it to be nothing more than a little star. Wow. And when you worship, that's, that's the God that's revealing himself to you. He changes us from the inside. You see, there's understanding how the word fits. There's understanding of what the word instructs. And there's understanding about what the word enables. You see, if you're full of light, the overflow of your heart, the mouth's going to speak and it's going to produce life and it's going to produce light. Jesus could say, my words are spirit and they're life. Because worship was so much a part of him. He went up in the mountains to pray. We know about one incident. But the Bible doesn't say whether there was any others. But we know he went up every morning. He went up early to go and pray. The disciples went with him one time, and they saw him transfigured before them. We don't know if that happened every single time that Jesus entered the Father's presence in prayer. It seemed to be fairly natural to him. He didn't think much of it. The disciples are like, whoa, this is amazing. And I think we're a little bit like that. There are some people in, in this church who are such worshippers. The second someone starts singing, they're in the glory. There's others of us. doesn't matter what songs gets played. Depression and all that's going on around us so fills our hearts that we lose sight. And what it says here, it says they knew God, but they didn't glorify him. And what happened is their hearts were darkened. It's the absence of light. If there's no revelation, then there's darkness. If there's no light, there is darkness. 
And it says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The darkness caused their hearts to go into confusion and into falseness. And it says, he gave them over to sinful desires. He gave them over to strange lusts. He gave them over to a depraved mind. In other words, he just took his hand off more and more. If you don't worship, I'm going to take my hand off more and more. If you want God's hand on your life, worship. Worship him. Give him honor. Just start because his hand is going to come upon you strong. He's going to lay hold of you, not in a bad way, but to lift you, to raise you, to seat you where you're supposed to be. Where revelation is. Things that you've been struggling with. It says, you know, we, 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 we don't try to fight sin. Those who are led by the Spirit will not gratify the flesh. It's uh, um, Galatians somewhere. I think it is. I can't remember. I wasn't going to quote that one. Uh, so so there's, a, there's an understanding. But also, worship keeps our hearts soft. It prevents pride. You know, in, in Philippians uh, 4... Uh, I quote this a lot in our house, and Claire quotes it to me to remind me that I've said it. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness. Worship stops hard hearts. It stops hearts getting angry about stuff. Because worship unlocks a thankfulness. Thankfulness prevents us from trying to do it all ourselves because we recognize we're not on our own. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, Psalm 10, it says uh, the, the pride, the boasting of the craving, the, the, the proud man boasts of the craving of his heart and does not seek God. He says of this and that, and he says all kinds of stuff about what he will do, whereas God is saying, I want to do it. I want to do these things. It prevents pride. Worship unlocks thankfulness. Thankfulness unlocks worship and unlocks our hearts and breaks that crust of what's going on around us and actually exposes the inner workings to allow God to do stuff in us. These qualities... It says in 2 Peter 1, talking about godliness and faith, it says, add to them. It says, these qualities increase and will stop you being ineffective. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted, blind, and has forgotten something really obvious, that he has been cleaned. You've got all these robes on. You don't want to go and start doing the gardening and do messy jobs. You've got a job to do of worship. And in that worship, you take other people in with you. Every time you worship, you carry their names. But it does something even greater as well. It silences the enemy. If you are a worshiper, you will find it harder to hear the voice of the enemy. The lies the things he says about you, the things he says about you through other people, you won't even hear them when you're hearing and seeing what God's doing. When your vision is filled with God, you can't hear anything else. 
He is the God. It says, and Jesus, when he was entering into Jerusalem, they rebuked and said, people can't say these things about you. And he said, if they don't, the very stones will cry out praise. The very stones will give honor. If stones can do it, I think you and me can, don't you? You see, that's what it says in Isaiah 54. It says, sing O barren woman, you who have no children, because greater are your children than the ones of those who has children. There's something that happens as worshippers begin to stop listening to the lies of the enemy that sparks and creates and conceives life in them, both physical and spiritual. A worshipper is able to see a transformation happen that produces life in them and out of them. That worship begins with sing, barren woman. Abraham, Sarah, he gave them names. It was a change of name. Abraham, a little Abram, little, little father, had to be Abraham, father of nations. Sarai had to become Sarah. There was a change. They had to begin to speak something of themselves and something of God. God gave me this name, and I'm going to live in the good of that name. I'm going to live in the good of what God says. I'm going to live now, not as a barren woman, but I'm going to sing. I'm going to declare. I'm a fruitful vine Archers may have shot over me. That's what it says about Joseph. Archers shot over you, but your bowels went over the walls. What's the limitations on your life? Because if you're a worshiper, your bowels, your, your branches will go over walls and bypass limitations. That all starts with worship. There's nothing insignificant about coming to church and singing songs, because the presence of God brings change. Just turn to Psalm 73, because we're going to get ready to respond to God now. Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not played by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity and the evil conceits of their minds. No, no limit. And he says... When I try, in verse 16, when I try to understand all this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed? Verse 23, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? Come on, let's just stand up here. I want you to just unlock your hearts. 
whatever's going on, I just want you to just ask the Lord for a new spirit of worship, a new understanding of glory, a new reality of his presence. As you sing today songs that maybe you've sung a hundred times before, or maybe it's brand new, the presence of God is going to manifest itself, himself, right here, right now. And the reality is, limitations are going to come off you. Thinking that's been clouded with darkness, with hatred, with problems, with forgiveness issues... You're going to be able to say, whom have I in heaven but you? But I thank you that I have you. I thank you. All those things are oppressive to me, but I, now I understand. You are for me. Your hands are always on me. You hold me with your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Just begin to take his name on your lips. Jesus. 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 I worship you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. You know me better than I know myself. I offer you myself, my body. I offer you Everything I am, Jesus, be glorified in me. I adore you. I I love you. I see you today, Jesus. Not just high and lifted, but right here in the midst. And I exalt you. I love you. Yes. Yes.